you've got to live your most authentic self. I, I think we get so bombarded by opinion and validation and you know we live in a very liked driven culture and so i think you can end up places you never intended to be we're about to get very real a little silly and you're gonna freaking love it i'm saren body image and self-relationship coach lifestyle aka everything cute and inspirational entrepreneur pilates and yoga instructor and spirituality loving person Let's get real. We all think the same things. We all have those crazy thoughts. The Soul Speak podcast is here so that we can allow ourselves to have those weird, awkward, unheard of conversations that no one ever talks about and prove that they are normal. Topics on judgment, comparison, inner criticism, sex, lifestyle, and spirituality all will be found right here on this podcast. Each episode, guests and I will not only bring you new ways of thinking, but also bring light into your life all together. Now let's speak soul. Hello, my podcast lovers. Don't you just love this beautiful harmony that I give you all of the time? So today is a guest episode. If you listen, you know that on Mondays I do episodes with my beautiful, wonderful guests. And then Wednesdays are just short and I just definitely stuttered there. Not going to cut that out. Short and to the point episodes by me. And then Fridays are Fast Fab Fridays. And those are um, little clips from past, future, or just random things that I need to say. Past, future episodes. Did not complete that sentence. It's Sunday night, you know? It's been a weekend. It's been a weekend. Anyway, first of all, thank you so much for all of you who have subscribed to the podcast and left oh my god, (laughs) left a rate or a view because it's very, very helpful. If you have not already, that is just the one little thing I would love for you guys to do. So just take a little pause or after this episode, go ahead and leave a rating and review so that we can help the show grow together. Tear, tear. So sweet. So today I actually have someone who I met here in Raleigh on the podcast and she is a public speaker and I came to a random like networking event one night and she was speaking at it and I really really liked what she talked about and I found her on Instagram and she was super cute and sweet and she does a lot of really really cool things that you guys may have even seen in the news. So Carrie speaks about, well, first I'll just tell you this episode is all about risk taking. And so she is a huge, huge advocate of just taking risks and thinking big and knowing that literally like take a risk. What's the, what's, what's the harm, right? Like what's the worst that can happen? And then when you take that risk, you don't know until you take that risk. So there you go. Take the freaking risk. But above risk taking, Carrie also talks about kindness and compassion, which are two things that I love and really, really am a believer in. So Carrie Grace is a motivational speaker who travels the country, inspiring others. She goes into companies and schools and helps them create better, kinder work cultures for all. She also helps people take risks and dream bigger, as I mentioned, and to get from where they are to where they want to be. 
She is a firm believer that kindness never goes out of style and hosts an annual day of kindness in Durham, North Carolina. So you guys are going to have to come and visit us in North Carolina for the Day of Kindness. She has spoken at companies such as Target, Marriott, and Jack Daniels, which she told me she had a lot of fun at, (laughs) and has been featured on USA Today, Huffington Post, and his radio. So you can find her at Carrie Grace Shop um, on Instagram, and that will be in the show notes, and she will mention it at the end. But this is a great episode if you are a person who first is just has a hard time finding compassion for yourself and finding compassion for others in your workplace if your coworkers annoy you or get on your nerves this episode will really help out in that arena and then also if you're someone who just feels like it's hard to take risks and you're kind of fearful of outcomes of anything which let's be real we're all humans and we all are but this episode will give you motivation to take that little leap and push past that fear so further ado here is miss carrie carrie hi carrie how are you Good. How are you? Good. Uh, So I'm so happy to have you on here. We're both living in Raleigh and I don't really know everything about you and I kind of want to know more about you. You're doing so many interesting things. And so why don't we just dive in by hearing what you do and how you got here? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I currently speak full-time. That's not what I used to do, but Mm -hmm. I'm currently a full-time speaker. I travel the country quite a bit. Um, I'm actually in Homeland Raleigh at the moment, um, which is a rarity. And I do a lot of talks around, I, I should say like 60% around empathy and work culture and kind of creating better uh, compassionate places, schools and work cultures, I should say. I do a lot of work with teachers as well. And then I do about 40% um, on kind of rejection and risk-taking and getting the life you want. And that's a little bit more directed for women, but I also speak to you know, both men and women in that audience, I've just discovered that women tend to be a little bit more gun shy when it comes to putting yourself out there. So that is how I currently spend my days, um, inspiring and motivating people as much as I can. Okay. So what got you into that? Where did you, what's your journey? Let's start there. Where did you kind of start off before Um, all of this? (laughs) Yeah, I actually used to be a teacher. So I had a I have a degree in education. I taught for a few years. I really didn't honestly love the culture that I was a part of. Mm. Um, what kind teaching, of school did you teach in? Um, I taught at a private school in Durham. Okay. Uh, so very small, very small community, very small, um, you know, culture, if you will. Very, very, uh, very connected. And I mean, I knew the parents and the, the kids in my class and they knew me very well. And I, there were just some things I didn't love about it. I didn't love the way it was run. I didn't love some of the things I was asked to do. And so I left that and I became a nanny. And I knew I was going to start a business. So I nannied while I was hustling in a business. And in 2014, I got asked to speak at an event um, that was a really big honor to be asked to speak at. And I originally... And told them no because I'm like no I'm not a speaker like she asked me to do a lot of different roles and I was really excited about the roles but I, you know it's like here's eight things we want you to do at this conference mm-hmm. all of them were amazing they were all welcoming people making people feel seen and heard and then she said oh you by the way you got to speak for 15 minutes throughout the conference and I'm like uh no <laughs> you've got the wrong girl here I don't speak publicly I don't get in front of audiences and it made me I mean I was I could barely concentrate I was working on the second day um for a couple of years and I really didn't like it and then in 
and I started getting asked to speak at other stuff and people were paying me and, but it really wasn't what I was doing for a career. I had a, um, a subscription box company at the time. So I was selling like little, a little, a box of happiness every month and I switched it to quarterly. So I did that throughout the time where I was speaking very part-time. And then in 2017, I spoke at an event and almost everybody cried as I was speaking, which was interesting. And what was that topic uh, on? I speak a lot on community um, at that time. I was speak, which is worth taking. I was teaching women how to have go from online community to in-person community. Um, and I was sharing a story about one of my Instagram followers who lost her daughter to cancer mm-hmm. and um, you know, why it matters that we have community and, and how you can impact people who maybe don't even live in your own city, basically how to use the internet well. Cause I yeah. think a lot of times people get on the internet and they compare themselves and how can you use the internet how to see good. it in a different set of eyes kind of. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so people after that said, you really should look into this as a career. And I, at the time was like, eh. I mean, the problem was honestly, I was in a space where people did a lot of bartering. So like you can attend my conference for free and I'll give you this. And there wasn't a lot of money on the table. So I kind of didn't really think it was a feasible career until I shifted my mind and, and went, Oh, like this just isn't my ideal audience. Like yeah. this is not what's going to pay my bills. And so I switched into a little bit more corporate, um, space, if you will, and, and have done speaking ever since then. But it really wasn't something I went in. I mean, people, and I always feel bad because there's people who would kill to have the career I have and really go for it. And you know, I get people emailing me all the time, can you help me? And I'm like, they genuinely wanted it. I, it kind of fell in my lap and it kind of, I had enough experience that by the time I got there, I knew how to do it. If that makes sense. I'd kind of fallen on my face a few times for free. Yeah. I don't think you should feel bad about it either because it's something that like you were led to, you know, I think that those things that we do in our lives that really just like, we can't make them up. We can't, we can't always formulate them. So it's awesome when you are like, when you kind of find that trust and you just like, that's when you know that you are trusting, you are just like letting life lead you where you are going in a way. Um, also being in control, but it, takes you to places that you maybe can't even like imagine for yourself. Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you'd asked me five years ago, you know, you're going to be doing this. I'd say no. Yeah. (laughs) I'd laugh at you and say like, are you kidding? It's crazy. You don't go girl. Yeah. Yeah. And like you wouldn't have given yourself that opportunity and now you have this gift that is helping people. Right. Right. And I love it. It's just, it's just funny. I've grown into, I've grown to love it. I've, I've really actually, there's, there's still sometimes I get nervous, but in the last probably three months, um, I really have seen myself just get on the stage and be fine. I mean, there's no pre-jitter nerves. It's just giving the mic and let's go. And so that that. has been also encouraging for myself. So what are your, um, yeah, what are your first thoughts before getting on stage? Because I know for me, I like the thing that helps me the most is directing it not towards me at all is just like looking at the people around the room and knowing this is for them. This is not about me. So what is a pep talk you give yourself? Um, it depends really on the audience. A lot of times actually I get to be in the audience before. And so I've already met people. And I think that helps because then you're like, oh, you're just a person in the, you know, you're just a person like me. It really humanizes the whole experience. Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff I do too is interactive. It's not just keynotes. And so um, I'm able to see Im- immediate feedback as I'm going. Um, so it's not really just a, a pep talk. I kind of just am like, you know, there's always, there's always people come up after I do my talks. And so I know that there's going to be someone in there that my story will impact because of their story. And so I remind myself, like, you know, there are people in here who have, who have incredible stories. And a lot of times I get, to, I get to hear them at the end. 
Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like me being first in vulnerability, like that quote about, you know, like other people follow suit. And so I just remind myself like, okay, you have to be vulnerable first and then you will see the fruit of the other people's vulnerability after. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So I have a couple questions from what you just said. So first of all, what, what was it like for you transitioning from, you know, you had a normal job, you were a teacher and then you nannied. And so like, what was it like transitioning from all of that to your own business, to that mindset of forming your own actual tangible business that you would be making money from? How did you like organize that in your brain? Um, I mean, I think this is probably something where I would have ended up regardless. It's it, my mind has always been, um, very strategically wired, I guess, if you will. So the tradition was, I mean, like the transition was pretty organic and natural. I think it was, you know, I kind of set goals and met those goals every month. And then eventually it was like, okay, it doesn't make sense to be a nanny because I'm now working two full-time jobs essentially. Um, and so I don't know if it was necessarily, I mean, I had a lot of people in my life, I had a lot of mentors. Um, it just kind of, I mean, for me, honestly, the harsh part was routine. I had a very, I mean, I taught preschool and we had a very, we ate snack at 9.15 every day. And to go from having no kids asking me to open their containers of food to like, oh, I'm sending emails to adults was a little bit of a, a mind trip of like, okay, I'm, I'm switching into a very different, you know, space, if you will. Um, but I kind of thrive on, not as a change, but the challenge of it. And, um, you know, I, I like, I like the strategy. And so I think for me, having a business is always strategy to be, you know, not even conquered, but there's always something strategic to do. And so I think that's what I like about it. Is it, and I'm, I'm a, I'm kind of a no ceilings girl. That's why I speak on risk taking rejection. And I think most corporate careers have some sort of ceiling. And Mm -hmm. so the idea when I was teaching of, Oh, I could have a job. And like, it wasn't all about the money, but the idea of I don't have a fixed income was actually kind of exciting to go like, because of teaching, it's very hard to make more money. I mean, it just takes years and years and years and years um, to really gain momentum and there's not really bonuses and there's all that stuff. And so I think for me, it was nice to be like, oh, if I do X, you know, this is what happens as a result. And you don't have that in teaching. Yeah. You're in control of it. Yes. And there really is no limit of that control right. that you have. Right. Awesome. So what would you say just like on that little piece are the top three things that helped you um, move forward with that, actually forming a business? So you mentioned goals. I'd imagine that would be one of them. So um, what would your three be that you would recommend to someone that's listening that maybe wants to transition into doing that for themselves? Oh, I see what you're saying. That they're going from a, a, a nine to five to a business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like really seeing that, you know what I mean? Because it's kind of hard to make that you feel like a fraud and it's just like all of these feelings come up. And so what would your top three, like, okay, you need to set, this is what helped me the most. Yeah, definitely setting goals. I set kind of a 12 month goal. And I said, if I can get to this goal by 12 months then I'll quit, I don't tell people to quit immediately. I think people, I think people feel like they need to jump ship immediately. Um, I think you need to feel some level of ready and not all the way ready. Um, so goals for sure. I would say having mentors. Um, I probably didn't have mentors until about 2016, but I have two, I have two mentors right now. And so they're just smarter than you. You know what I mean? They're just, just having people that know a lot more than you is vitally important. (laughs) What would examples Um, of those mentors be like just people? Um, I am, I use a program called score. I don't know if you've heard of that. I have Um, never heard of that. Is that? I don't actually know what it stands for, but, um, online. 
Uh, no, it's an in-person thing. It's um, every, every state has it. It's some um, free mentoring. It's, it's people who had very, um, uh, very big careers in their life and they mentor business owners for free. Oh, that um, is. So, How do you spell that? Yeah. It's an interesting, it's a, it, I mean, I've had, so I have, I had, I've had one guy for three years and then one of the guys actually left because he had eight, eight businesses and they all took off. Okay. Um, and most of the time they're retired, but my other mentor wasn't. And, um, and now how I do you spell score? Um, like scoring goal. Like, like score. S. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great resource. I think, uh, I mean, so here's the thing people, I've heard great stories and I've heard horror stories. People don't mess with their mentors and are them, you know, like it's not a good fit. My mentor was, um, the head of marketing at Purdue chicken. So he and I talk a lot about marketing mm-hmm. and I'd like to think he knows a lot more about it than me. Um, being that he, you know, push chicken off the shelf. Yeah. And um, yeah, and the other oh, woman worked at IBM. So mm-hmm. it's just been helpful. It's just a great way I meet with them. And the nice thing is you meet with them as needed. So I've only met with them, I think, twice this year. Um, I just met with them um, uh, like last, last week or two weeks ago. Awesome. So, you know, I think people don't like, like using your resources. I think people think like, oh, I've got to have all these resources and it's going to be expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say be scrappy. I still feel scrappy. People always laugh about, you know, like, oh, you could do all these things differently as a speaker. I'm like, I could, but scrappy works. And so I think people don't really start because they're like, I got to have a fancy website and I got to get all these followers and I do all these things. And then they never start. So for me, I just say, start scrappy. Like y- your first website should be crap. It should be ugly and crappy. Um, because it means you started. And then at some point you make enough money, you get enough clients, you end up you know, that over time it changes. Like you're what you're, you know, you're, even if you start as a, as a, you know, middle ground business owner, your website's still going to get better. Like that's just, that's just a fact. You're just going to learn more about yourself and your company that you're going to get better. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like a terrible, disgusting website either. No. Just be, I like, yeah, it's, it's just going to grow either way. So you might as well just do it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's going to change. Yes. Good. I love those. Okay. So goals, mentors, and being scrappy. And I think that is actually like such a good resource. I personally have never heard of that score. I think yeah, a lot of people haven't. It's, it's, I mean, I, I, I heard about it years ago and I never did anything with it. And then I was yeah. like, Oh wait, I need a mentor. And so I've had them for, I think going on four years and, and it's great. I mean, they basically keep you until you decide you don't need them anymore. And they, and they have different people, if that makes sense. Like my mentor actually just connected me to another one of his mentors to help her. So mm. it's a great resource. Um, you know, it's not for everybody, I would say, but um, it's a great resource for, you know, people, if you will. Yeah, for getting started in that. Cool. Um, so I, So you talk about empathy. And yeah. why do you talk about empathy? What does, that, what does that word bring up for you? Why is it so special to you? Um, I mean, it's, it's a lot of, it's, it's, it's empathy, collaboration, team building. It's, it's basically just how to be a better, be, how to be a better human in 2019. Um, I don't know if it's, it's special. It's just something that I have really, it's one of those things that comes very natural to me. And so I assume that everyone behaves in that manner. And then you, you watch the world and you go, Oh, wait a minute. That's just me. That's not everybody. Um, and so I have just personally experienced it in my own work culture and, um, you know, people don't always love going to work. And so how can we create a place where people feel more seen and heard? It's really a permission slip to love someone well, because I think we get kind of awkward in work situations where we're like, well, 
Sarah in accounting is kind of annoying. And so I'm not going to help her. And then you like, then you don't realize and three years go by and you're like, Sarah had cancer the whole time. You just didn't know. So it's stuff like that where it's, it's really, um, a permission slip to, to, to choose the people in your work and really actively, um, you know, pour into them, invest in them and build relationships at work because you're there, you know, 40 hours a week, sometimes 50 hours, 60 hours, how many hours you're at, you know? And, and how can you create a place where people want to be there? And it's not, nothing about it is rocket science, but I think sometimes you, you have one bad apple and the whole place kind of goes to hell in a handbasket and, you know, people are unhappy or bitter or, you know, they take things out on people. And I like, like, like an example is, um, I was talking to, I went into a talk at, um, at a company and, um, you know, I was giving examples of stuff. And and like this one story this lady told me is she said people always would treat her. So she would be really sad every other Wednesday and I never really asked about it. And people just would always roll their eyes and be like, uh, she's going to be sad on when every other Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And finally, like she said, one of her coworkers asked like, what is your deal? Like you're always a mess. And, and, and she was like, Oh, you know, every other Wednesday I give my kids to my husband, my ex-husband and we don't have a good relationship. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm always sad because I have, I have without kids for a week, for two weeks. And, um, every other week. And so it was like one of those things where it created this huge situation at her work when really if, if she could have had a place to just say, Hey, I'm going to struggle a little every other Wednesday because of my circumstance, then the coworkers can rise to the occasion. Um, so it's stuff like that where it's like, if people don't know, if you don't create a space where people can be open and honest, you end up creating a lot more problems for your work culture. So really just creating a place where people can have a little more empathy and a little more compassion. Um, it's really basically just to teach people not to assume anything. Yeah. We come from a very assumption-based culture where we're like, oh, that person's driving fast. They're a bad driver. That person's doing this. They're a bad whatever. They're late to work every day. They're a lazy employee. Um, and we don't really ever give people a chance to have explanation. And, and yes, there are times where people are lazy and bad, you know, for sure. But we jump to that conclusion far more than we assume the best in people. We assume, oh, well, Sarah's lazy and John doesn't care about work and all these things that aren't necessarily true. We just don't know the backstories. Yeah, that's very, very true. I also think that sometimes, I mean, by having you come in and speak to them and work with them, it's enabling them to be more vulnerable because certain personality types are just not going to be vulnerable regardless. So like creating a space in that environment for people to just be normalized. Like that's all we want as humans is just to right literally are all the same because we are and right. no one is above or below. And I think that's a big thing in companies too, is that like you look at a higher up person right. and like, oh my God, they are like the, the, I'm picturing the Greek God, like with the big uh, sword. Uh, and like, you know, it's just, it's not. <laughs> right. Right. Also. Right. The hierarchy of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So um, also compassion how do you see that? Like, how do you feel that it's important to have compassion for yourself before you can have it for other people? Well, I think people are really hard on themselves. I think people don't, you know, I think we're probably less compassionate to ourselves than we are to others, to be honest. Um, I think it's more just a, um, I'm trying to figure out how to word it. Like we, if you can't be compassionate to yourself, you can't be compassionate to other people. It's kind of like, if you can't love yourself, you can't be loved by others. And so I think it's just important to give yourself, it's like, you know, the self-care falls under that. How can you, how can you 
um, show up as your best self. And so I think a lot of times people come in ragged messes because they don't have any compassion for themselves and then they get run over at work. So I think it's just a valuable thing to have, um, you know, to be able to really honor and respect yourself so that other people do that as well. Yeah, definitely. It definitely all starts with the person. So I know you've also done, um, a lot of different kind of bigger like challenges for yourself. So can you share a couple of those? As far as like risk taking? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I, I live a very risky life, if you will. Um, and a lot of it is just to prove to, you know, to people that I think we, we assume that people want to tell us no. And I've just kind of like, you know, gone against that and been like, what if people wanted to tell us yes? Um, so I did a whole challenge last year. Um, a little over a year ago where I just went around Raleigh where we both live and like just saw how many rejections I could get doing really dumb things, honestly. Some of them were crazy and some of them were just very basic. Uh, I think I had 25, I did 31 days and I had 25 yeses and six no's maybe. And it was just like this example of like people honestly want to help and they want to see people succeed. And um, for me, it was just like proof to go like people, people want, people want to help. They want to be a part of other people's stories and be a part of other people's journeys and experiences. So from that was really part of it. It's just, I wanted to prove to myself and then also be able to prove to other people like, Hey, you can do things that you don't think you can do. And I think as an entrepreneur, you take risk all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. You're constantly risking and reinventing and hoping and okay, that didn't work. How can I shift and change? And you know, do something different. So I think it's, it's that as well. It's, it's, um, you know, I think if you want to be an entrepreneur, you have to have a little bit of, you know, risk taking in you or you won't survive. Yeah. That's a good way to flex your muscle with it too, by just kind of practicing small things with it. And then it kind of shows up in your own business too. Yes, exactly. So what are some examples of those things that you did? Um, I, uh, I did a hula hoop contest with a guy at Target. Um, I went to a fire station and asked if I could slide down the pole. Did they tell you Uh, this? No, they told me that. Oh, darn it. Um, Yeah, which was fine. They said yes. (laughs) Um, They actually wanted to let me, but it was, if I broke my ankles, it's on the city of Raleigh. Yeah. It's illegal. The whole city doesn't want to take on one ankle. Yeah. Well, and a lot of it was legal things. That's what I realized. It wasn't that people wanted to say no. Mm-hmm. laws prevented people from saying yes most of the time the no's were because like I asked if I can make a smoothie and they're like no you can't come back here you don't work here yeah fair I mean that's fair you know she's like I would let you do it but you know it's like no um I bagged groceries at Trader Joe's um I I'm trying to think what else. I mean there, there's a long list I rode a bike through Toys R Us which is like stuff you can technically do but a lot of people don't because they don't ask so you know, some of it was, was very easy things. And some of them were like, you know, like I, they really shouldn't let me bag groceries at Trader Joe's cause I am not an employee or trained to do that. Yeah. What was, the, so would that be like one of the hardest things that are one of the bigger things that someone said yes to? What was the um, most surprising yes you got? Um, I went to G105, um, the radio station in Raleigh and they asked me to do a challenge in their studio and they had a lot of, um, they're, they're part of iHeartRadio. So they had a lot of art, iHeartRadio artists on canvases and photos they're taking. And a lot of those photos cost like $500. Mm-hmm. 
and the canvas was about $300 and I asked if I could take one home and they said yes. So I have their canvas on my wall. <laughs> oh, who is it? It's a Taylor Swift. Mm. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I actually love I mean, It's a three foot, it's a three foot uh, canvas in my, on my wall and I hung it That's and I like feel like a 16 year old fangirl, but I actually look at it every morning and it's a, it's a reminder and people go over and they're like, why do you have, to, why do you have this random canvas of Taylor Swift singing on your wall? Um, and, but it's a reminder to me that what, what can you ask for? So every morning I look at it and I go like, that's the best $300 on my wall that belonged to somebody else that yet is now on my wall. And so it really actually serves as a reminder for me, a very big visual reminder every day when I wake up and look at her, <laughs> you know? And so I, I, for me, it was probably one of the greatest things that just keeps on giving and I'll probably keep it for the rest of my life. And I'll, you know, I'm sure someday I'll have a house and people will come over and be like, uh, <laughs> yeah. what's yeah. this about? Yeah. That's so funny. So, um, and then there was another one that you did on the plane, correct? Oh yes. That was not, that was a year prior. Okay. That was a year prior to it. Um, yes. I had a, my birthday party on a, on the airplane in 2017. That was actually part of the catalyst, um, for me going, Oh, like what more can I ask for? So I passed out goodie bags and asked people to pay it forward. Um, and that story ended up getting quite a lot of news. I mean, people still talk about it. I actually met someone this weekend. They're like, Oh, I know exactly what that story is. I read it two years ago. Hmm. Um, so it's an interesting thing. It's kind of a story that never dies, which is not bad. Um, but it's one of the stories I share in my talk, um, just because it had such a life changing effect on my own life. Um, and, and I've been able to see the ripple effect. I mean, people still email me and they like tell me they bring cards for flight attendants or they have brought stuff for their seatmates or all sorts of things that it really is just a permission slip for other people was, was what it really was, was like, Hey, let's think outside the box and what are things you can do? It's people just really like to follow the rules and, and I'm a rule follower to, for, to some degree, but I think it really came down to, um, people don't want to do things that are abnormal. Yeah. Like it was one of those things where you're, you're like, it was outside the box and people tend to stay in the box and go, well, this is what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. And for me, I just was like, what happens if I step outside the box? You know, it was almost like a social experiment. Like what's going to be the result of this? And the result was amazing. And it could have also gone disastrous. And I went into that knowing that this, there was a lot of potential for no's people to tell me no. And I didn't end up getting no's, which was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that people just often are kind of scared to even ask because they right. just don't know. It's, it's kind of that fear of the unknown. Like right. they don't, they don't know exactly what is going to come of it. Right. So, um, I think that's a really, really good lesson. How have you seen people kind of, has anyone given you an example of how it's changed their own lives? Have they like given you feedback of something they've done because of um, what shared? Yeah. You know what? I, I, I haven't necessarily heard like full stories. I've had people email me and whatnot um, and say, Hey, you know, I've gotten to do this. Or, I mean, I spoke at a conference actually, gosh, last, last October. And like one of my points in my, in, in all my talks about recycling is about sending the email. Cause most people don't send the email ever. Um, and so I've had some people tell me, Hey, I send the email and here's like the results I've gotten. Like, Hey, this person told me, yes, yeah, so I'm getting to do this thing. Or I don't have like great concrete stories of like specific things. So people have definitely emailed me and say, Hey, I asked and I got this thing or I tried this and I got this thing. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Cause you're like, Oh, that's awesome. Like, you know, people putting themselves out there and, you know, going like, Oh, I got to speak at a conference or I got to do this thing or I've, 
you know, I've, I tried something and here's the result of it. And a lot of times it's positive things or people go, I would never have realized that I could have had this, this, and this. Um, it's just shifting your mindset. I was even talking to a girl yesterday about becoming a speaker and I was giving her some ideas and she goes, Oh, I've never thought about it from that viewpoint. And I'm like, yeah, you've got to shift your, your, your view a little bit in order to be successful. So yeah, I mean, it's been cool. It's been cool for people to email me and say, you know, you know, I got to do this cool thing that I didn't think would be possible, but because I asked. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's so nice to see those tangible like things that you can be like, Oh my gosh, like this is actually, you know, it's shifting people. It's shifting Right. Right. Um, which is awesome. Yeah. It's making an impact. So what, um, what do you feel like has made you successful in your speaking business? Like you just said, you were, um, talking with someone yesterday about it and what has made you successful in it? Like how have you, you've been very successful. So what are those things? <laughs> yeah. That's what people always ask me. That. Really? I've been really successful the last two years with them on year two of being yeah. full time. And, um, and I always tell people 50% of my talks are about risk-taking. And I said, if you, like, for me, speaking is, a, is 100% risk-taking. Um, and if you do not have that muscle, I don't know if you can be a successful speaker is really what I tell people. Like, you've, you've got to be able to – like, people just wait their whole lives for people to show up at their doorstep. And I'm like, that's not how life works. Like, you – it's like early bird gets a worm. And so I just email tons of people and I network and, um, and I take a lot of risk in it. And I've had a lot of payout as a result um, of the risk taking. But I think that's really what it comes down to. It's if people don't know you exist, people can't hire you. And so I just try to like tell as many people in the world, I exist if you need a speaker. Um, and that's really what's been um, the most successful thing for me is just asking for stages. Yeah. And then you have a focus, like you said, you kind of shifted what your focus was for who you were speaking to. Right. So who do you focus on? You said corporate more so, but like education. Well, I do a lot of educators. I do a lot of teachers. Um, I do schools every once in a while. Um, I mean, I speak to a wide range of people because empathy and risk-taking are pretty universal. So I've spoken to middle schoolers. I've actually spoken to kindergartners all the way up to retired people. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've run the gamut. I've done um, CEOs of huge companies and I've done talking to kindergartners about kindness. Um, uh, so yeah, it just kind of, it kind of um, varies based on what I'm talking about um, and what the audience is, but I do a lot of empathy for uh, corporations and a little more risk taking for like entrepreneurs, women in business, sorority girls. Um, so it just depends on the actual talk and who I'm going to. Yeah. So what is the, um, how has this kind of like impacted you in your own life? How is this, um, first of all, speaking about this, but how has it kind of shifted you as a person going through all of this? Um, I think it's made me more bold, to be honest. I'm kind of like, what's next? You know, like what else can I not even conquer, but just, um, it's really cool to see uh, uh, you put yourself out there and then see a return on the investment. And so that's been fun for me. I think the more I speak on it and the more I go, I got to try crazier things. Mm -hmm. You know, what more can I ask for in life? Because they all end up becoming good stories to share from a stage. Um, and so it's really actually, I think maybe live a, a, a much bolder life than I probably would have lived three years ago. I'm like, Oh shoot, I speak on risk taking. I gotta be a risk taker. You can't sit back once you, once you claim to be a risk taker, you can't just say like, Oh, I'm done taking risks. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of up to my game of risk taking the last two years where I'm like, let me just try new things that maybe fail, maybe don't fail. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. Um, okay. So I want to do a couple like rapid fire questions. I, yeah. I think I just made up that word, but I don't think I did. I think that's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that they do this. Rapid fire. Yes. So, um, so, okay. I'm just going to ask a couple questions and we'll just go with that. So first of all, how do you, um, who are you without any of your titles, any of your things? So like, you know, not I'm Carrie, I was born on, I'm a speaker. Like, who are you as a person? Um, I would say I'm an encourager. I'm boiling it down to a word. (laughs) Yeah. You're an encourager. You're an encourager. What's your favorite thing about yourself? Um, probably like my, my gumption to do things. Mm. What's your least favorite thing about yourself right now? Um, I can get very like single-minded focus, like stubborn, and then it's hard to redirect. Mm. What are you most excited for? Um, I actually have time off right now. <laughs> so, oh. Nice. I have, a, I, have a, I have two, I have two speaking gigs in the next 30 days and that's very rare. So I'm, it's nice to have a moment to breathe. Yeah. Where is, where's your favorite place that you've gone for a speaking gig? Um, my favorite place in the world is California. And that has been the funniest part about speaking is, is I get hired the most out there. And I always oh. laugh because I go, that was, that was the, if I'd be honest with you, when I said I was going to be a speaker, I said, you know, it'd be great if I could just go to California paid as much as I could. And, and, um, I did, I think five, five trips last year and I am getting ready to do my maybe third. Yeah. My third trip this year and I'll have a fourth one booked as well. So, so I always laugh because that was the dream. That was the ultimate dream was how often can I go to California and, and it's played out well. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in five years? Um, I actually would like to go back and sell product, which is what I sold before. Um, Mm. so I do see myself doing that. I don't see myself necessarily speaking full-time forever. I do see myself speaking for a long period of time, but I don't see myself speaking at the volume in which I'm speaking. Mm. So I'm looking to off shift into something that will keep me home a little bit more, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I have a little bit of a balance. Um, so how did that, how did that work? You know, starting a product, that's crazy. So you, um, sold the boxes that happened. Yes. Yeah. What kind of things did you put in there? Like butterflies and (laughs) (laughs) no, I had like (laughs) and cards and all sorts of cute random things. Do you design them or did you find a designer to do that? Um, but some of both, some of both. Oh, oh my God. Sorry. I was just taking a sip of my tea after I said that. And then it just like all spilled all over me. So (laughs) (laughs) my life. I, yeah, basically. So now it's like streaming down my face. Okay, very good. I could have used one of your happiness mugs. Maybe that wouldn't have been <laughs> <on> that. <laughs> That's awesome though. Yeah. So what what type of product are you interested in now? I feel like you like a lot of clothing and cute things like that. Yeah, I do love clothing. I haven't quite decided yet what I'm going to do. I have some ideas, but I um I'm kind of flushing through them, if you will. I'm trying to think about, you know, I might even do one, you know, like if I do a mug line or something, I need to do something singular because I just don't want to have so many different options. But yeah, I've I'm, I'm, I'm been looking into that for 2020 and just thinking about long-term goals. And um, I mean, speaking's great, but it's like, it's me. I got to go do the speaking. So 
there's a limited amount of gigs and myself that I can spread thin. So I'm trying to figure out stuff I can supplement some of my salary where I don't have to do quite as much me on the yeah, road. And things you enjoy and yeah. being with other people collaborating. Yeah, exactly. Mm, I love that. So, oh man, I just had a question in my head and I don't remember what I was going to say. Um, hmm. What is the best advice that you have been given that just comes to your mind right away? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> it is good because I don't know if I could even answer it. <laughs> um, I think kind of like that a no is not a finality. Like, like a no now doesn't mean a no later. Um, I think we, we kind of get crushed by no's. And so this idea of, um, it's not, a no is not permanent. Yeah. A no is not permanent. Everything's temporary. Yeah. Um, I'll say mine because I just put you on the spot with that. And I said, I couldn't think of one. So I just thought of one. Um, this is just like the most recent advice that I've been given that has kind of just made sense to me is that everything in your life, you know, you always have different priorities. So whatever priority, like if you're ever kind of confused or lost on what decisions you should be making or whatever, you always have different priorities in your life. So look right. at what your priorities are and then just go off of that. Like same with, you know, a business and you made your goals, right? 12 month right. goals. And if the things that you were doing were not moving you towards those goals, then they're not productive. So I think it's just really important to know what you want at that right. moment and what's important to you. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, la 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 la, I guess that's the end of my rapid fire questions. <laughs> Is there anything else? If anyone had any, you know, if you can just give these people listening advice on anything, what would it be? What has been, what would you give someone if they asked you, you know, how can you help me? <laughs> well, this is actually what I learned last year and it was really life-changing and I don't know if it'll be life-changing for someone or not, but I met, um, I spoke at a conference, uh, there was a, a week-long conference and um, we basically were off, everyone was basically offline because we were in a place with very little service and I always laugh because I go, now I understand why The Bachelor works because when they take your phone away, you're pretty much stuck having having pretty deep conversations with people. And so uh, I made some really good friends. There's a lot of alcohol there though too. So <laughs> That's true. But I think but, it, but I think when you're off when you're digitally offline, it actually does change you as a person because oh, I was basically yeah. offline for seven days and, yeah. and 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 these I mean it was a group of women and we ate Where every, were you? What did you say? Where were you? What was the I went for? to a conference called the Imperfect Boss and it was in Canada. I love we were, like, that. in the woods of Canada and we were together. 24-7. I mean, I we ate every meal together. That. We went to like workshops together. We went to keynotes together. Everything was together. So it was very together. But I, and we rode a two, we rode a two hour bus from the airport to the, the conference site. And I ended up sitting next to a girl and her and her husband um, have something that they call experimenting. And so they just call everything in life an experiment. And, um, her husband's fairly similar to me. And so he and I emailed back and forth about this, but it really was a big mind shift for me because we talk about success and failure so often. And they just basically say, we never call anything a success and we never call anything a failure. We just call everything an experiment. And we either feel like it was a, it was an experiment that went well, or we learned from it and we pivot. And so I chose that for my word for this year. And I have had a really incredible year thus far. I mean, we're only at the halfway point and I have I have accomplished more than I thought I would accomplish in five years in this year. Um, but I think it really was a mind shift 
where you just go, everything's an experiment. And, um, and so every time I have an experience, I go, this is just, this is just an experiment. It's just an experiment. And so it makes things a lot easier. It makes you more free to try new things because you're not putting the pressure of, I've got to sell a thousand courses or I've got to have a product by 2020. It's like, you just keep creating new versions of yourself as an experiment. And so it's really opened me up to a lot this year as far as just being way more open-minded. Um, and it's, and it's let me do some really cool, it's, it's taken a little pressure off the rejection and the, and the, the nose because you're just like, Oh, well, I, I tried. Um, instead of feeling like a, a utter failure. So that for me, and I always tell, I have a couple of masterminds here with girls in Raleigh. And I always, talk, I always talk about these two people because I'm like, just the way that they run their life is so unique because it's very rare for us to just brush things off and go, Oh, well, that was just an experiment. And that's really how they live their whole life. And, um, I mean, he, he, he owned a million dollar company by experimenting and he, um, he earned a hundred thousand dollars worth of sponsorships by experimenting. Like he just thinks outside the box. And so he just tries these things that people don't even dare to try because they don't want to, they don't want to fail. So it's been really cool to like see their story and see the things that they've gotten to do just solely by having a different mind shift than I would say 99% of people. Yeah. Are these people that people can look up on? Yeah. Their last name is um, Zook, Z-O-O-K. It's Caroline and Jason. Um, And they're pretty easy to find if you just Google them. They're, they're, um, they're very savvy. (laughs) That's awesome. That's really, really good advice. I think it goes along with basically what you are teaching too, though. It's just right. And in a different way. Right. That's a funny thing about advice. Um, just a side note is like it, it depends how it is said, right? Like it's all the same thing in a way, but some people just digest it. You can hear it a million and one times and then you hear it a whole different time. You're like, Oh my God, I just, that just changed my life. Right. Yeah. So whatever resonates with you. And then when you find those things that resonate, oh, it's so motivating. And you just feel like, like, I always think it's so funny how we are the same person. We are still these people inside these bodies, but we like literally are shifting based on just words. It's crazy. Right. Mind blowing. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's like people can change your whole, your whole world in a day. And you're like, wow, I didn't even know I need to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It is crazy. So this is why like podcasts, you know, having people like you to come on a podcast, it's people listen and they just get shifted. They just hear what they need to hear. So it's awesome. Right. Right. Um, so my last question I always ask my guests is if you, if someone asked you how they can hear their soul speak, what would you tell them? Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) Well, it is soul speak the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Ask me that again. I got to like, think about it. Yeah. So if someone asked you how they can hear their soul speak, what would you tell them? I mean, I think that falls along the lines of like, you've got to live your most authentic self. I, I think we get so bombarded by opinion and validation. And, you know, we live in a very liked, liked driven culture. And so I think you can end up places you never intended to be with your like self and your soul. Um, and so really, st- you know, almost like st- staying the course, like where, where's your path? Um, cause it's very easy to get deterred, I think, by other people's thoughts, opinions, desires, dreams for you. Um, that I think you can end up kind of losing yourself in that. 
Hmm. Yeah, I love that. That makes so much sense. And that's good. I love hearing everyone's different answers because <laughs> some people tell me, um, like basically what it means is how can you hear your intuition? And so some people say, oh, I bet everyone says like, just be quiet with yourself. And like some people do, but every answer is just different in a different way, like meaning the same thing. So it's really cool. I really like what you just said. Um, so yeah, is there, where can everyone find you on social media, your website? Uh, my website is just kerrygrace.com. And then my social media is at kerrygraceshop, which will likely be changed by the end of the year. But <laughs> for now, that's where you can find me. Okay. Did you say shop as in going shopping? Yes. Yes. I used to actually sell product off of it and I haven't changed my Instagram because okay, branded myself that way. Yeah. Kerrygrace <laughs> shop. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So I will put all of those in the show notes and everyone can just click them and go to their happy lands and look at Carrie. And yeah, thank you so much, Carrie, for coming. Thank you for having me. All right, guys, if you love that episode with Carrie Grace, go ahead and share it with someone who may need it and listen to it again because she is amazing. And of course, find us on Instagram. Our names are in the show notes and you can share it, tag us. That would be so, so fabulous. And I will talk to you guys next time. I'm aware. I'm saying all of my words like a crazy person today, but it is okay. It is okay. La vita abella. The life is beautiful. Okay, I'll talk to you next time. Kisses.